continue to worship together. Are you excited? I'm excited too.
All right. Are you guys ready this morning to worship? I think you are. You can have a seat for just a moment because I just want to say welcome. So glad you made it here to Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. And we are so delighted that you just got up on a little cloudier day. I got getting kind of used to that nice blue sky. So I was like, mm. but it feels good outside. And man, it feels good in here to be with you today, worshiping and lifting him up. And special welcome to those that are here for the very first time. Um, hope you feel welcomed. Hope you're getting the information that you're kind of looking for. And I hope you just feel relaxed to just check us out and see if this is a place where you could belong. And we hope that everybody that walks through our doors can feel like this is a place that is about Jesus. And I can just meet him today. That's what we want it to be about. So if you did get some information on your way in, and I hope you'll uh, take a look at it and check it out, especially, oops, especially this uh, card here, trying to get data going, getting a whole database reworked, so write your information down for us, especially if you're new, especially if you're newer, or if you're not getting any kind of emails right now, we're trying to get out, starting to get out stuff, go ahead and fill that out for us, drop it in, either the offering as it goes by, or in the uh, box in the back. So ladies, the retreat is coming up. They did extend the, uh, the first early bird price, and I'm going. I know that several of you have registered, so please don't forget to register. If you need help, you're not sure, if you have questions, if you're like, I don't know, find me. I'll be right out here, and I'll be happy to help you. You don't want to miss even though. It's going to be an amazing weekend with Dr. Carla Sunberg. Um, I'm going to be doing some of the breakout sessions. Um, so just come and be a part of this great weekend. It's going to be a lot of spiritual growth, and I believe it's going to be a weekend you will not forget. So lastly, super, super excited about August 20th. So what's August 20th? August 20th is going to be our first ever Step Up Sunday. And what that's going to be about is celebrating our next generation. The kids that are moving from being a preschooler to being now, I'm in elementary, those that are going into junior high, high school, and we're going to celebrate that. But it's going to be a fun day where our kids are going to sing. Our kids are going to lead some of our worship. We're going to see our teenagers hopefully here, a part of worship as well. And it's just going to be a great day. Um, Sharon's going to bring the word that day. And it's going to be a fun time for us to celebrate Next Generation because you guys told us before we came here that that was one of the most important things to you. So we're going to actually take action steps to make that true. So will you be a part of that? Will you bring people, bring a family that maybe doesn't attend? Give them a chance to kind of see what this is about. August 20th is going to be a great fun day. So I hope that you will come, and that leads us right into offering. So I know I think the kids are going to be taken off, and this Pastor Sharon's back there, and you can Go on, all the children, and um, our ushers are going to come on up. But just watching these kids and knowing how important the next generation and knowing how important your heart is and where you are with God is to us and to Pastor Dale and myself. And we just want to say we love you guys. These last six weeks have been so cool and so amazing to get to know. And we're trying to get our rhythm in. It's been awesome. Thank you for being faithful, for trusting us a little bit, for being willing to let us kind of bump around and find our way. It's been great. Thank you for being faithful in your giving and for investing in our next generation. And really, it's more than just that. It's about what's first in our hearts. We don't want to ever let finances get in the way. So what God is calling you to give, 
I know he will bless you if you'll just let that go and trust him with your gift. So let's pray about that this morning. Father God, thank you for our people here in this room. For those that could not be here today, God, for whatever reason, I just pray you would just be present, be close, God, speak to us today. And those that are giving today, maybe sacrificially, maybe they're not sure what this tithing thing is about, God, I pray you would bless them and speak to them and show them how big you are in their lives, God. I pray for the ministries. I pray right now for our kids and the teachers and those that are giving their time to teach our next generation. God, be with them today. Help our kids to be encouraged and to hear about you today, God. Help us to hear from you today. And we give you all the thanks, all the glory and honor. In your name I pray. Amen. got a new song for you guys this morning, so you'll catch on as we go. I give thanks to you, Lord, and sing praise to your name, almost high. I declare your love in the morning and your Thanks to you, Lord, and sing praise to your name almost time. I declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, oh Lord, have made me glad. I will sing for joy at the works of your hand and rejoice in what you have done. And rejoice in what you have done. Oh Lord, how great are your words. Oh Lord, how great are your words. Oh Lord, how great are your words. You have made me Oh Lord, how great are your words. Oh Lord, how great are your
your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Your shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He takes away when there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And his good news is, I know that he will for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. 
wonderful to know that you are enough for us. You are a God that is always here, always, always listening to us. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for being here, Jesus, when we feel alone or when we're completely surrounded. You are always there. And you're always our provider. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for being able to gather in this room today together with our brothers and sisters. It may be our first time here. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will make that person feel welcome and that they will know that you are here. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done this week, and we thank you for what you're going to bring us through Pastor Dale this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and for teaching us. I pray, Jesus, that you will bury it deep in our hearts today so we can go out and apply it in our world this week, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise your holy name, and we thank you for what you're going to do. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Uh, so that we can find our, uh, our, our way. Hey, everybody. All right. I just thought I'd make sure that we're still all in this thing together. All right. Good to see you. Great to be here with you. And everybody have a good week? Everybody have a bad week? Okay. Well, that, that tells me where you are. All right. I'll be praying for you for sure. Well, um, so March 17th of this year marked the 16th anniversary of when I just about died. Um, I was in the backyard of our home uh, in uh, Thornton and uh, working on um, our, our kids' trampoline. And uh, I was on the top step of the ladder that at that point it says, don't step here. And then I did. And uh, I'm leaning in and the ladder decides to lean out and a race started to see who could hit the ground first. And uh, the ladder won, and I landed on the ladder with my body, and uh, my spleen exploded, and uh, I broke most of the ribs on this side and punctured my lung, and, and it was just not a very good Saturday. And I had to preach on Sunday, you know, so, uh, but uh, Michelle got me to the hospital, and, uh, you know, it was just, a, it, was a, it was, quite frankly, it was a, it was a touch and go there for a little bit. Um, we didn't know how it was going to turn out, but, but that that event on that Saturday afternoon began a, a series of things that happened with me that, that really kind of encompassed um, a, 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 like four abdominal surgeries. I, I had to have four surgeries on my, on my belly. 
Um, I almost died again from sepsis. Um, and then I had an eight-year battle with, with an infection that I just could not get rid of. And, and so um, those are the high points. If you want to know the nitty-gritty, you'll have to talk with Michelle because I was unconscious for the, for the most exciting parts of that story. But um, in, in those days, if, if I remember correctly, it was in those days, it didn't matter to me um, what my bank account was in spite of the fact that on the day that I returned home, I think I was in the hospital for 21 days or something, on the day that I got home, we got a bill, hey, thank you for letting us serve you. Um, you owe us $400,000. I mean, it was just that kind of a thing. It was just a good day. But, um, you know, I didn't care what my bank account said. I didn't care um, if I owned a house or didn't own a house or if I had, you know, property elsewhere. I didn't care about any of those things. The only thing that I wanted from that moment on was to get my, my health back. I just wanted to be whole again. All I wanted was to be able to be healthy and there's a, there's a quote um, that, that's been uh, put out there, and I, I've come to believe it myself. Um, Stephen Adler said, you can have all the success and riches in the world. You can have everything that you want, but if you don't have your health, you have nothing. And I found, I found another one that said something similar. It says, when you have your health, you have everything. When you don't have your health, nothing else matters at all. And for some of you, um, you, you've been there. You understand this because you, you have been hurt. Maybe you're there right now. You've had some serious um, injury happen to you or um, uh, had an illness that spun you out or, or maybe you're just body, your body now is in the process of quitting on you. I don't know where you are right now, but, but you understand when I mention the word health, you get it because you've been there. You understand, health is everything. Last weekend, we we started a brand new series together called Navigating the Terrain. And really, it it aims to answer a few questions for us as we kind of kick off our our ministry together. You know, Michelle alluded this morning, we've been here for six weeks. I think this is week number seven, and, and we're starting a new season together, you and I. And so I thought I'd kick off this brand new series called Navigating the Terrain, and, and it has three questions attached to it. The first question um, is, is, is this one, what does a good church look like? This series is talking about what does a good church look like? look like? What are the the things that you would look for when you're maybe looking for a church or you're aspiring to make your church um, in a better place? What is it that a good church looks like? The second question is, what is God doing in the world? Where is he moving? What is he doing in the present world? The third question then is, what does a good church that understands what God is trying to accomplish in the world, what is that, what does that church really look like? And so last weekend, we, we, we talked about this idea that, that a good church is a family. I use the metaphor of a, of a family, a family that actually um, has a shared cause or a, or a shared mission. Anybody uh, remember what the cause is? If you don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but any, anybody remember the cause? I'll, I'll tell it to you if you don't remember. You ready? Here you go. The cause of Christ or the mission of, of Christ is that no one should die and go to hell. That's really why Jesus came. If, if you were to be sitting in a coffee shop somewhere and somebody asked you, why did, why did Jesus come? More or, less, more or less, that's probably the answer you're going to give them. He came so that no one would perish and spend an eternity without God. No one going to hell is, is the mission of Christ. And it, and it shows up really in, in two distinct ways, right? Discipleship 
and evangelism. It, it shows itself to be alive in churches all over the world by these two things, discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship looks like the church taking care of, of the church, making sure that your spiritual needs are met, making sure that you're given a good steady diet of, of things that, that, that you can learn on and chew on and grow in Christ with, taking care of things that are inside. Discipleship. And then evangelism. That is the church, you and I, making sure that we're trying to figure out ways to work into the broken lives of people that are disconnected from Christ out there. Discipleship and evangelism. And so last weekend, we, we, uh, we used the, the metaphor of family. This weekend, we're going to use a different metaphor altogether. You ready? Now, um, you may or may not know this. But your body has 11 different systems in it. If you went to med school or um, you're a nurse or anything like that, you probably know these 11, but, but, but chances are you, you probably didn't know that. 11 different systems in your body. I just put a graphic up here so, so it would kind of give you an idea. I'll, I'll tell you what the 11 systems are. Are you ready? There's not 11 people up on the screen. But, but here are the 11 systems. Um, integumentary system. Anybody know what that is? Thank you. You're a nurse. It's easy for you. Please be quiet the rest of the sermon. No, I'm kidding. It's awesome. Integumentary, it's your skin. The skeletal system, your bones. The digestive or gastrointestinal system. How many of you love that one? Amen, praise the Lord. Um, muscular system, musculoskeletal. Urinary, excretory, nervous system. Maybe your nervous system is doing this right now like mine is. Yeah. Uh, the reproductive system, everyone's favorite. Uh, endocrine system, cardiovascular, circulatory. Uh, your lymphatic system, lymph nodes. And then your respiratory system. You have 11 different distinct systems working um, in your body, which means that there's a lot of moving parts in there. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And the one word that we're hoping for when we put all of these systems together is health. It's the one thing that we want when we talk about the systems of our, of our body is health. If one of those systems isn't functioning properly, just one or even a piece of one, if one thing isn't going like it should, isn't operating as it was designed, isn't healthy, then the other systems are suffering. The whole suffers when only one part of your systems aren't working properly. You'll struggle to be all that you should be, all that you wanted to be, all that you hope to be, all that you were designed to be. You'll struggle if one of those systems isn't operating like it should. You will not feel completely healthy. You'd be so impressed with me right now if you came to church looking for an anatomy lesson. But you didn't. So what does all of this have to do with all of this? Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, he was the world's greatest church planter and, and was visited by Christ himself. The Apostle Paul thinks, believes, teaches that all of this is a great metaphor for all of this. And so Paul 
in his letter to um, the church that he began in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, in his letter to the Ephesians, he writes about the significance of the interconnectedness of the body, the church. And he begins to discuss what should, what should that mean for you and I. He writes to the church in Ephesus, and then because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he's speaking to the church in Woodland Park today. And in Ephesians chapter 4, here's how Paul puts it into context for us. How he helps us understand how the church is really supposed to work. Ephesians 4, will begin in verse 16, and this is what Paul writes. He... He's talking about God. Makes the whole body, which is the church, he causes the whole body to fit together perfectly. Now, if you would just take a look around at the people that you're surrounded with in your church, you may wonder about that. I don't know how we're going to get perfection out of this group. I don't know. But that's what God does best. So he, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, that's what helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy, the whole body is growing, and the whole body is full of love. Paul is talking about this idea of the church. And his view or his mission or, or ministry to us is saying, you want to know what a good church looks like, church? It's healthy. You want to know what a good church looks like, a good church is healthy. Because when a church is healthy, great things happen. Conversely, when a church is not healthy, conditions are not conducive for great things to happen. doesn't mean that good things aren't happening. It just means that it's not conducive for great things. Good things do happen in churches that are unhealthy or out of balance. I've been parts of of churches that are like that. Maybe you have too. You're scratching your head thinking, man, this is so dysfunctional. It's so yuck. I don't know. But look at what God is doing. He can still do good things because he's God and because he loves the church and he loves you. But his intent is for the church to become healthy. And unless you and I decide to do the work, the hard work, of getting healthy and staying healthy, our reach, our success, if you will, will be limited. This church health, this is kind of where it stings a little bit, but church health is manifested by the spiritual health of you and me, because we're the church. Spiritual health of churches is manifested by the spiritual health of you and I, and what does that really mean? Well, it means that the church will be healthy if the people in the church are spiritually healthy. Amen, PD. Thank you for that. The church will be healthy spiritually if the people are spiritually healthy. What tells us? How do we know if we're spiritually healthy? How does one know? Well, it'll show. How does one know? 
it'll show up in your life. If you're spiritually healthy, your, your, your body, your spiritual body is, is doing well. What, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it means that, that you're, you're getting spiritual exercise. You're, you're using your spiritual gifts to serve the church. Your body is in, in motion. You're reaching out for people who are disconnected from Jesus. You'll know if you're spiritually healthy, if your spiritual body is healthy. You, you'll know because your spiritual mind, your mind is doing well. Your worldview is framed biblically. That means when things happen, your first reach is, well, God, how, how, how should I interpret this through your word? Not, well, I don't even like those people. <laughs> or good for them. They can go and burn, you know, whatever. Your worldview is framed from a spiritual perspective, from a biblical perspective. Your mind is doing well if you're spiritually doing well. Your, your heart, your soul will be doing well. Remember that old song, one of my favorites, is Well With My Soul? I can't hardly sing that song without welling up inside my, 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 myself. I love that song. I, I, I think if, I'm, if I remember correctly, let's play it at our wedding. Is that true? You don't remember. I, I, th- I think it was, but it doesn't matter if it was or not. Because I love that song. But if you're doing spiritually well, healthy, your, your soul will be well. Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer out loud. I'm, I prefer that you not answer it out loud, but I'm going to ask this question. Do you have joy? In spite of your circumstances, in spite of what's going on tumultuously in your life, you've got all the issues, you've got all the things, you've got all the pressure, the world sometimes feels like it's caving in and you don't even know what to do. Do you have joy? It means your, your heart and your soul is, is well. Joy is separate from happiness. You, you probably know that already. How do you know if you're doing spiritually well, your body is well, your mind is well, and your heart, your soul is, is doing well? And so, spiritually healthy Christians create healthy churches. Now, there are a couple things that we have to make sure of when we talk about church health because we all have ideas about what a healthy church looks like. You, you would be inhuman if you didn't have an opinion. So I know you have one. We all have an opinion. We all have an idea of what a healthy church should look like. There, 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 are, there are some things that, that, you know, you have an idea of, and I'm sure that I have an idea. Maybe they link up. I, I don't know. But, but some, some folks think that a healthy church has to do with how big it is. It doesn't. If you think that a healthy church means that it's big, you would be incorrect. A big church doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's, it's healthy. The number of people sitting in church on Sunday is not the definition of health. Now, it, it's a metric by which we can measure. It's a, a measurement, it's an indicator of how things are going within that body, but it's not the only indicator. There are smaller churches everywhere. Maybe you have been a part of them, or maybe where you moved from as a child were were a smaller church doing amazing kingdom things. People are getting saved. They're discipling people, funding missions, baptizing new believers. Uh, 
marriages being restored, families coming back together, amazing things, all of that, even though the church is smaller in number because church health looks the same in churches of any size. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I came up with this, but I'm not sure, so, so don't, don't get too mad at me, but it's not about how many of you are here on Sunday morning. It's about how much Sunday morning is in you out there. It's not about how many of you are here on Sunday morning. It, it's, it's about how much Sunday morning is in you out there. Some people believe that the church, the health of the church happens when there are several pastors or staff that are paid to do the, the work of the church. If you have a, a lot of pastors on staff, if you have a lot of, of people that are running around doing the ministry of the church, they believe that that's what a healthy church looks like. I would say, don't believe that lie. Don't, don't believe that that's the, the indicator of what a church um, looks like if it's healthy. Church health is not computed on how many pastors or how many paid employees a church has. It just, it just doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, um, we'll just go to Scripture at this point, and I'll, and I'll prove it to you. Here's what Paul said in, in the, the 11th verse of chapter 4. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. What are the, the responsibility of those gifts? To equip God's people to do his work. Amen, Pastor Dale. Thank you, I know. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Now, if, if you didn't catch that, if you're a Jesus follower, you just got a job. Your job, Christians, is to do the work of Christ. Build up his church. That is his body. So it, it's not about numbers then. It's not about how many staff people that you have. Some people go on and believe that a healthy church is one that has lots and lots of programs, lots and lots of things happening, lots and lots of events for every age group and every um, demographic and every, every life stage. And the logic or the reason behind that is that if we can just add more ministries, if we can just crank out more, you know, more programs, maybe do fun outreach events all the time, you know, do, do churchy kinds of things, then we'll be healthy. Everybody will know it because we'll just be real busy. You know this. I, I, I think you do. I believe that you do. That a, chur a, a church calendar that's full is not the definition of a healthy church. So if it's, if it's not num attendance numbers, and attendance numbers are, are important, they're critically important, but it's not the measurement of the church, of the health of the church. And, and pastors and staff doing lots of things, that's That's impressive. But it's not the measurement of a healthy church. And, and, and events and groups and programs, oh my. That's interesting. But not the marker of a healthy church. Not the measurement of a healthy church. So how do we measure health then? How, how, how do we measure the health of 
a church? Well, we go back to Paul and what he wrote to the church there in Ephesus. And this is how he writes it in, in the 13th verse. It goes like this. This will continue. So, so it's a continuation. It's a, it's a process. It's an ongoing thing. This will continue until we all, because we're all in this together, until we all come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son. So how are we measuring health? It's continuing, it's a process that we all will come to such unity in our faith, what we believe about Jesus and how we follow Jesus and our knowledge of Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord. How do you measure spiritual health? That it's a continuing process that you can look at until we all come to such unity in our knowledge of the faith and in our belief in, in God that we will be mature in the Lord. Let's take a vote. I'm kidding. But how many of you are mature, mature believers in the Lord? Fully mature. This is the measurement of a church, of church health. And how is that measured against it? Measured up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow. How are you doing in your spiritual walk compared to Jesus? This is what Paul says is the measurement of a healthy church. And it continues until Jesus comes back. That we will all come to such unity behind the mission of God in the world. And in the knowledge of God's Son. In what Jesus was about. And what He is doing. And what He wants to do. That we will become mature in the Lord, measured by the full and complete standard of Christ. Sounds like we have work to do. In a good way. Now I'm not, I'm not sure how you're doing in that. But there are some questions that I could ask you that, that would give you some idea of how it is that you're working on this. Are you closer to God today than yesterday? Are you becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Are you more loving, forgiving, finding more peace, looking for more spiritual strays? You know, I'm amazed, really amazed. Um, there's an app that you can get on your phone called um, Next Door App. And uh, I joined when I was in Florida. Bad idea. And um, Next Nextdoor app is a, is a is a great app. I don't want to throw the Nextdoor app under the bus, but it has effectively become just a, a, a way to um, yell at your neighbors without yelling at them. <laughs> you know. And and so Nextdoor app has has kind of helped us, you know, do that or whatever. But but I'm always amazed that. Um, every day, and I'm not making this up, almost every day somebody is, is, is snapped a picture of, of a lost dog or a lost cat or something that's out of place in the neighborhood. I mean, they're trying to be good citizens, and I think that's awesome, but we have become fixated on lost dogs and lost cats, and in the church we've forgotten about lost people. Are we looking for spiritual strays? Um, um, how, how about this? Are you... Are you 
um, are you acting or reacting to the things of this life as we've been taught by Christ to do? Or not? And this is just a pragmatic, in-your-face way to, to, to answer the question, how are you doing in, grow, in your spiritual maturity, in your growth? And if you were to say, Pastor Dale, I've got room, I would, I would join you in that. Me too. But I think the important thing is that we know that and we are still marching forward with the Holy Spirit as our guide. It's those of us who sit back in, 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 and cross our arms and go, no, I've got to figure it figured out. Now, you never tell people that, but that's how you act. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to do anything else. I just want to come to church and take it all in. Oh, it's so good here. The, the, the biscuits and gravy are so good. You know, I mean, that's the measure of how good the church is. And I'm just saying, a healthy church is a, is a spiritual, mature church. And so just in case you, you've forgotten, just in case it, it slipped by you, the health of your, your spiritual health is, is not measured in, in just your individual life. It's measured in context of the church. This is a lost piece of information that has been per- perpetuated through the generations that Jesus just came to die for you. He did, but he also came to die for the person sitting next to you and the person across the row. And this, this, he came to die for the church. And so we're all in this together. And so your spiritual maturity is not just measured by how good you are. It's measured by how good you are in the context of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Ooh. So how, how are we doing? As each part does its own special work. That will help the other parts grow. It will help the other parts become healthy and full of love. And I, one, of my, one of my favorite sayings these days is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long that I can say that and it still be accurate, but I use it a lot around here. People are like, Pastor Dale, and the first thing out of my mouth is either I love you and I don't know, or I don't know. I mean, it's one of those two answers, uh, depending on the, the context. But, but I don't know. And I don't, I don't know a whole lot. But, but I would ask this, or I would, I would, I would surmise this. Let me, let me say that that way. Because it's this way in, in every church that I've pastored and every church that I've been a part of. There are people who have sat in, in pews or chairs for years, decades, maybe. And, and never lifted a finger, never done anything inside the church to exercise their gift, their spiritual gift. They've never become a part of the body. They love the pastor because he's such a great preacher, or they love the music because it's so great, or they raise their kids, you know, what, whatever. They just love it, but they've never actively become a part and done their part in the church. And I would just say that's, that's not healthy. And so if you, and this is why I was leading in with the, I don't know, because I really don't know, but if you've never become active in serving in your church, shame on you. You have an opportunity to give to the kingdom through serving your church. And we have holes in this church. Right now, we have an active 
children's ministry. I call it Kid Men. Kid Men program. And they are in another part of our building learning about Jesus. And there has not been a week, not one, that I've been the pastor of this church, that I've not talked with Pastor Sharon, and she is pleading with me, can you help me get more volunteers? I'm struggling to keep things rolling. And I just, I just shake my head. That, should, that is not the mark of a healthy church. Same with youth ministry. We have holes in our youth ministry. We need help in our youth ministry. We, we need help in every ministry. I, I'm sure if, if I would drag Lori up on the stage and, and, and make her tell you, she would say, we could use more people in our, on our worship team, our band, vocalists, guitar players, drummers, triangle players, recorders, whatever. Technically, technically we need help. Right now, you, you probably don't know it because you're sitting right here, but right now, we're streaming live to the world. And there are people that are not able to be here that want to see what's going on. They want to worship and they want to watch and listen and get fed and all those other things. They'll watch all through the week. And, and we're struggling to keep that rolling because not enough hands. We need help. Audio, video, these things, the lights, the stream, all of it. And you're probably thinking, ah, I'm too old for all those buttons. That's hogwash. Now speak your language for a moment. That's crazy. You can be taught to do anything. We, 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 we have needs in our cafe. We have needs in our greeter team, usher team. You, do you know? You probably know this. It's a little confusing pulling into the parking lot of this church and trying to find the way in. Anybody? anybody, anybody just a few of you? Okay. The rest of you, I don't think you're telling me the truth. The truth is, when you pull in, it's, it's a little confusing. That's nobody's fault. I mean, no, no blame. We're past the blame game. But I'm just telling you, we could fix that problem. You want to know how? Having somebody out there going, hey, welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here. Main entrance is this way. There's coffee going this way. If, if you want a shortcut, it's right through these doors. But, but we need people. Happy people. Not grumpy people. You don't want to pull to church and... Nobody wants that. There are holes that we can be filling. But 90% of the holes are filled with 10% of the people. Every part doing its work is what makes the church healthy and growing and full of love. Every part doing its, its part. Church health, like physical health, if you don't have it, nothing else matters at all. There's a story written a few years ago. Um, actually, it happened a few years ago. It was told a few years later by a, a pastor named Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, um, his little cottage church there in Atlanta, Georgia, reaches, you know, 50,000 people a weekend or whatever, but that's not important. But Andy, um, because he has proximity to um, Atlanta, where Chick-fil-A is headquartered, anybody love Chick-fil-A? All right. There's a story that came out of the boardroom of a Chick-fil-A um, meeting one, one, one season, and, and I want to tell you that story real quick. Um, it was in the 90s. 
Yay, 90s. Um, so in the 90s, there was a company called Boston Chicken who became Boston Market. I love Boston Market. Oh. But Boston Chicken became Boston Market um, at some point. But in the 90s, um, Boston Market became Chick-fil-A's first direct competition. Up until Boston Market, uh, Chick-fil-A was just, you know, a slam dunk every, every, every day, except for Sunday. Boston Market came along and said, we would like to expand. And so they had plans um, to do huge things, a goal of having a billion in sales by the year 2000. A billion in chicken. Um, they were fast expanding. They were aggressive. And naturally, the executives at Chick-fil-A were nervous about this new company, this, this new threat. And, and so a, a direct competitor just kind, kind of came knocking on their door. And Chick-fil-A was a little nervous. And so conversations began around this threat. And the Chick-fil-A, um, the, the, the initial response from the executives was centered on how to grow bigger, how to, how to get faster, how to get better at, at competing with Boston Market. And the whole thing culminated in, in, in one meeting, one afternoon, around the boardroom table at Chick-fil-A headquarters. All the VPs were there. All the marketing people were there. They all had ties on. This was the 90s. Everybody was dressed to the T, and they were, they were trying to brainstorm, how are we going to beat back this, competi- this competition? How are we going to win this, this game? How are we going to get bigger and faster? And at the head of the table was a man by the name of Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the man who started Chick-fil-A. It was his company, his baby. So at the head of, of that table sat um, Truett Cathy, and he was very quiet. He didn't say anything. He just kind of looked and watched the room and listened intently, and, and he, was, he almost seemed disengaged. Then out of the blue, he started banging his fist on the table. Until everybody stopped talking. And he had the whole room. He said, gentlemen, I am sick and tired of hearing you talk about us getting bigger. What we need to be talking about is how to get better. If we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. The statement changed the whole course of the conversation at Chick-fil-A. In the year 2000, if you remember, that was the, the, the goal when Boston Market was to attempt to hit a billion in sales. In the year 2000, Boston Market filed for bankruptcy. And Chick-fil-A reached a billion in sales for the first time ever. Because better has to come before bigger. And in this context, better means healthy. We're not going to increase numerically our way to health. I have a joke. It's a terrible joke. Please don't judge me on this joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When we began our church in the Denver area, we, we had all kinds of ideas floating around, and it was, it was like, you know, we're just trying to plant a church, you know, and, and, and we Every event, every every event, 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 event. Oh, my gosh. We just about wore ourselves out. You remember that? And we just worked hard at cranking out more events, more events, almost to the point of burnout. And and I I made a comment. It was an off-color comment one, one, one day when somebody was talking about another big event. And I just said, listen, 
we, we big our event our way. We're killing ourselves. I said, listen, you want to get people in church on Sunday? Just give away free beer. And the place will fill up. Now, I know that's a bad, that's a bad joke, but, that, but that's what I said. And the truth is, we're not going to increase numerically our way to health. We can do gimmicks. We're not going to hire more staff our way to health. You can't, you, you can't do that. It won't work. We're not going to program or event our way to health. Church health, spiritual health, starts in each of you and in me. And then it flows out from there. External health flows from internal health. And so I would ask you this question, and then we're just about done. What kind of church do you want? You don't have to say that out loud. Well, what kind of church do you want to be a part of? What kind of church do you want to attend? What kind of church do you want to belong to? What kind of church do you want to invest your dollars in for eternity? What kind of church do you want to lead, those of you who want to elevate to leadership? What kind of church do you want? I'll tell you the kind of church I want. You ready? I want a church with babies, lots of babies, and children running around, and teenagers sitting over there or over there, wherever, teenagers who give you the appearance that they don't, they don't care and they're not listening, but they really are, and young adults Young adults who, who look like they're completely frayed and, and fried out because they're working two or three jobs just to make it and they're, they're lucky. We're lucky if they get in here on time. You know, I want those kind of young adults. And young married people, mommies and, and daddies, who bring their children to church. And, 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 and a little bit older people, maybe middle-aged people who, who are, are getting toward, um, you know, empty nests. Those kind of people, we need those kind of people to take the mommies and daddies out to lunch on Sunday after church. And we need the elders, we absolutely need the elders to give us their wisdom. And we need, we need long-time servants of Jesus who have gone through the fire and they've proven that Jesus is who he says he is and he's faithful and they testify to that. We need those people and, and we need sinners, lots of sinners. All gathered, all gathered to hear about the hope of Christ and to hear how to learn to serve one another and love one another. That, that kind of church, the kind of church I want to pastor, I, I think if you were honest with me, you'd say that's the kind of church that you want to be a part of too. But it won't, it won't get to health unless everyone does their part. And it begins right here. God, what do you want me to do in your church? You've, you've uniquely gifted me. You've uniquely um, uh, given me a skill set and a personality and, 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 and immeasurable things. What, what could I possibly offer to my church? What do you want me to do? And if you pray that prayer, 
He will answer your question. He will open up doors. It all starts here. We have to get better first. Let's get healthy. Can I pray? And the band's going to come. We're going to sing one more song, and then then we'll dismiss. But I want to pray with you. We talked a lot about the church this morning. I told God this earlier before you ever got here that there are people, Lord, that, that you would send to us this morning that have never crossed the line of faith in you. I, I, would, I would make sure that we mention that. So maybe you've come today and you, you've heard me talk and ramble a little bit about church health and all those things, but you've not even crossed over in the line of, of faith. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But if that's you, God wants to meet you where you are today. You, you, there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say. There's no activity, no action, no sin, too dark that God can't save you. And so this morning, this could be the morning where you make the decision. Christ, I, I want you in my life. I want to be a part of this kind of church. I want to be a part of the church that, that the pastor was talking about. Begins with a relationship with Jesus. So as I pray this morning, you can pray too. You can invite Christ into your life for forgiveness of sin. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this morning and this moment. First, we, we, we want to make sure that we say thank you for all that you've done. Um, it's disingenuous for us to consistently just ask you for more things without ever leaning back and saying thank you for the things you've already done. You've been so faithful. You've been so gracious and giving and generous with us. If you never did anything else for us, you've given us your son who died in our place so that we can know God the Father. And it's through that action that we can know you. And so, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone in, in, within earshot of, of me and my voice that would say, I, I want to know this Jesus, would you just flood into their heart right now? Would you just fill them with your light? Jesus, if there's any sin in, in my life, would you, would you remove it from me? And as much as I know now, I want to serve you. And then past that is a lifetime of learning how to be more like you. Learning how to serve you and your church and your world and my neighbor. So God, gathered this morning in this beautiful building of ours here in Woodland Park, the most beautiful place on the planet. We just ask individually and then maybe even collectively, God, what is it that you want us to do? (laughs) What part can I play? What role would you have me play? Maybe it's something as simple as I, I, I don't have the physical strength anymore to do things, Pastor. I don't have, I can't, I can't get down on the floor with the kids anymore, Lord, but I can pray. Maybe it's something just as simple as that. It could go all the way up until you know, I, I, can, I can learn how to run the soundboard. <laughs> Would you just impress upon each one here, oh God, their part that you have given them and given them talent for? Would you give them a willingness to do, a drive to become? 
and a brave spirit to step into it. Thank you again for all that you have done, for the healings, for the gifts, for the finances, for the provisions, for the health physically, for the times when it looks so dark, I don't even know, I don't even know where to go. And in those times, you just become our peace. Thank you for that. So Lord, as we prepare to sing and then, and then go, would you speak to us? Help us to have ears to hear and brave hearts to follow after your directive. It's in the name of Jesus I ask this today.
offer to you a blessing. Before I do that, let me just make sure that I communicate. If you're wondering, how in the world would I ever let you know that I want to be on the greeting team or the sound team or work with kids? Well, there's a card, uh, a connect card. Just put your name and phone number on there or email on there. And hey, I'd like to serve here. You're not saying I want to serve for the rest of my life. You're just saying I want to serve. We'll try and put you into service that way. How many of you would say, um, hey, PD, um, would you pray for me this week? Is there anybody? Okay. That's just about everybody. I'll pray for you this week. If you're a Christian, would you do me a favor? Would you pray for me this week? Let's see what God wants to do here at Woodland Park Church of Nazareth. If you're a first-time guest, thank you for coming. I hope that you enjoyed being in the presence of God among friends. Let me let me say a blessing over you. May God bless you and keep you. May He shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. Bold of us to ask that because He's already been so gracious. But He's a God of unbounded grace. May He be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you. And may he give you what nothing else can give. Nothing in this world. Not your addiction. <laughs> not, not the pleasure of whatever this world holds. Not finances. Not anything. Nothing will give you what only God can give you. Peace. It's my prayer for you this week. That you would go in peace. Knowing that you're loved by your Heavenly Father. By your pastor. Amen. And amen. Have a great week. See you on Sunday. Separated, the breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And then cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it has washed me place laid inside my tomb of sin 
the 